We're glad to have you this morning. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord and worship together. Amen. Amen. I, um, it has been a difficult week this week. Um, we've had a lot of things going on. Um, you can pray for one of our, our people in our church, Udai, who is uh, fighting for his life um, at uh, OU Hospital. Um, pray for him and his wife, Devi, and their young child. Um, we also lost um, one of our family friends, my parents, really good friends. Um, their son-in-law passed away at 30, 30 years old this week. And uh, you can be in prayer for them as they uh, grieve the loss of, um, of their son-in-law. And um, I think the Lord gives um, sermons at the time in which God's people need it. And uh, I certainly need it this morning. Um, and I hope that, that it encourages you as well. Um, we preach through the book of Acts and um, what the text of scripture comes to, we preach it. And uh, this morning, uh, I've entitled the, the sermon, The Persevering Spirits, because the people of God and um, anyone who has lived on this earth will know that we need a persevering spirit, Amen. It's not easy to go through this life. It's not easy to go through the trials and the pain and the sufferings of this world. And yet, the Lord gives us the Holy Spirit to endure as the people of God. To continue to place our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. We're looking uh, through the book of Acts. We've had this series called The Power of God as we've seen the early church and their leaders advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I believe that there's a lot for us as Northwest Baptists to learn about how God works back then and how he works today through his spirit. And the way that the church reflects the glory of God no matter what the obstacles come in our way. I'm reminded this morning that we each have unique challenges to your life. Each of you have unique challenges. Not everyone's challenge is the same. Sometimes those challenges are overwhelming. Sometimes you just want to throw your hands up in the air and say, you know what, I just want to quit. Sometimes that's how we feel in walking the Christian life or fulfilling the great commission which God has given to us in making disciples. When it's hard, the promise of God is that he will be with us. This is why the great commission, Jesus gives this huge commission to his church to, to go and, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. That is very difficult. But then he says at the end, and don't miss the promise, he says, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. That's what Christ says. I'm not going to give you this, this command, this commissioning, 
to go make disciples and then leave you to yourself. Jesus doesn't promise that walking the Christian life, fulfilling the Great Commission, making disciples is easy. It doesn't mean that it's going to be better for you. No, the promise of God is that he will be with you. This morning we see in Acts chapter 14 a man, his name is Paul. He gives his life for the sake of the gospel. In proclaiming this gospel to people in different towns and regions throughout Galatia. And it turns up that he is left for dead after being stoned. And the Lord raises him up to continue the work in which he has called him. If you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 14, let's read the account of Paul in Lystra. Acts chapter 14, we'll begin in verse 19, we'll go through verse 22. If you'll stand with me in reading of God's word, we stand here at Northwest because this is our authority, this is the word of God in which he has called for us to read and understand and see and know him through. So if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 14, verse 19, it says this, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up, entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we ask that this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that you would allow us to hear from this message and from this truth and according to your scripture and allow us to see from this story what it means to endure as the people of God, to persevere as the people of God. Father, we know that there are many in this room that are suffering, that have heartaches, that have pain. And Father, we pray that you would awaken their soul by the power of the Holy Spirit to see the living and true God. And Father, we ask that your word would go forth, that the gospel would continue to advance through suffering, through pain. And Father, we pray that our people would rise up and enter back into all of the things of this world that we may proclaim your excellencies and your light to a lost and dying world. Lord, we thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit to be with us. And we thank you for the promise that Jesus is with us even to the end of the age. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Father's Day is next weekend. Don't forget that, kids. Don't forget that. Uh, don't forget that, my, my kids either. Uh, let's not forget those, those important times. One of my favorite um, clips of all time is, is a father and his son. Um, I, I think I've shared this, but I've never shown this clip before. But um, 
It was in 1992, the Olympic Games. There's a, there's a runner. He's running the 400 meters. He's trained all his life for this moment, right? In the Olympics, there, every four years, you really have a one window, right? You either, you either do it or you don't. You've trained your whole life for this moment. And um, Derek Redman, he's a British athlete, and he's running the 400 meters. He's, he's, he's got one of the faster times in the world, and he's got an opportunity to medal. And he's in the semifinals, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to show you this clip this morning. Tom Hammond and Craig Masback back at Olympic Stadium in Barcelona, coming up to the men's 400-meter semifinals. Here are the lane assignments. Steve Lewis in lane three. Top four to Wednesday's final. Steve Lewis in lane three. Roberto Hernandez out quickly in four. Now down the back stretch. Ismael on the left He's of the right screen is running very, very quickly. And inside Spot of lighted. Lewis, Sunday Bada of Nigeria. And Derek Redman of Great Britain has pulled up with an injury. Redman is out. Derek Redmond, the British record holder and an important member of that British 4 by 400 meter relay team as he doesn't want anybody to help him. It'll be Lewis to win in 44.50. Look at this. He's going to try to finish his semifinal race. The British have a certain tradition of running which you have to respect a bizarre finish to this first semi-final in the men's 400 meters Derek Redmond of Great Britain pulled up with an injury halfway down the back stretch he's fighting off those trying to help him to finish the race in his lane And now the pain too much. Olympic Stadium as Redmond with assistance this time approaches the finish line he had wanted so desperately to reach. You see that clip, the pain and the agony of Derek as he finishes his race and that that describes many Christians as they finish their race uh, Derek's dad says uh, Derek's dad's um, his t-shirt says have you hugged your feet today right now, I don't know if you saw that but uh, it's an amazing thing to finish the race as Christians. He endured the race for, 
because of his help from his father. You know, perseverance is actually a mark of the Christian life. Hebrews 12, 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of God. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, Christ endures the cross. And that carries over to Christians as they endure running the race of following Jesus in this broken world. Our hope is not in this world. It is not in the things of this world. Our hope is in Christ and the internal life that he brings. And in many ways, through Christ's endurance, God has brought us grace and Christians show the world the grace of God by enduring hardship and trial. Verse 23 says this. Verse 22 says this, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Why does God allow suffering and pain Why does he allow these things to happen? John Piper tells a story about grace given with grace denied. John Piper and his family were traveling. Anyone who has traveled with little kids knows that's not small task. And they were traveling through the backwoods of Tennessee. They were 20 miles from any known civilization or any town and the water pump stopped working in their car. They were stranded on the side of the road. John was a little bit angry. He said, I had asked the Lord for safe and secure travel that morning and God had denied me that grace. In extremely hot temperatures in the backwoods of Tennessee, And as I was fuming mad, my son said, Daddy, I think we should pray and ask God to help us. Ask God for some future grace is what John says. He said, as... They opened their eyes from praying. There was a man standing next to his pickup who happened to be a mechanic. He said he could go to town, get the parts, and come back and fix the car. John ended up riding with the mechanic and was able to share the gospel with this mechanic. God had shown grace to John and his family even though he had denied 
grace earlier. They had asked for a trouble-free trip, and yet in the trial there came grace that was supplied. John said, I'm learning to trust in God's wisdom in giving grace even in midst of the trial as he apportions his grace for our good and his glory. At the end of chapter 13, Paul had preached the gospel in Pisidia, Antioch. The Jews have now run him out of town and he is shaking the dust off his sandals and he moves to the city of Iconium where we begin in chapter 14, verse 1. Now at Iconium they entered together into a Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both the Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders be done by their hands, But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some the apostles when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them. They learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. This is our first point this morning from this text of scripture. It's thus, God's people persevere in making disciples. God's people persevere in the making of disciples. There are some times in our life, especially in the Christian life, where we say, you know what, I'm done. I'm throwing in the towel But following Jesus, pursuing his mission, is not one of those things. God's people persevere. Paul continued to preach the gospel. It's interesting that the next place Paul would go would be Lystra. He could have easily called it quits here in Iconium. I got a lot of... uh, Opposing people. They kicked me out of Antioch and Poseidon, Pisidia. I got people who are wanting to stone me. And he's saying, you know what? We're going to continue to preach the gospel. You know what happens in Lystra? We just read about it earlier. Paul is actually stoned. They actually commit the act that they wanted to commit in Iconium. You know what also happens in Lystra? Paul meets Timothy's family. Probably Timothy himself. Timothy would become Paul's disciple in which Paul would write the books, First and Second Timothy, to this young disciple. He writes in 2 Timothy 3.10 to young Timothy, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, 
my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet, from all of them, all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Even in this grace that was denied by Paul for his safety, God was bringing other graces into his life, including Timothy. Why do people that follow Jesus continue in the work? Why do they push through the suffering? Why would any Christian continue in discipleship when it is difficult or hard? Paul talks about this. He talks about in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, talking about this thorn in his flesh. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So what is Paul saying in 2 Corinthians? He's saying God's grace is sufficient for Christians. You think about it, anything that we have ever walked through in this life, Our Savior and our God has been through that. Christ has suffered just as much, if not more, than we have suffered. He suffered the loss of loved ones at Lazarus' tomb in which he wept. He suffered the betrayal of the closest friends of his, Judas, for 30 pieces of silver. He felt the heartache of rejection as a prophet in his own town. He was falsely accused, denied by his closest disciples, beaten, his flesh torn apart, yet completely innocent. He would be mocked and laid in open shame on a tree like that of a murderer and a thief. Yet he truly was the son of God who had come down from heaven to endure the pain and suffering for you. The grace of God displayed in a way in which anything else seems less. God's grace is infinitely more Paul understood this when he said to live is Christ, to die is gain. But the number two thing that he says in that 2 Corinthians passage is this, the power of Christ rests upon you. You see, the same spirit that resurrected Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit will allow us to continue and to persevere As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is not by our own effort, but by God's Spirit. 
This is what Paul says when he, when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Endurance to run the race is a hallmark of the Christian life. Death, disease, a mob, stoning. And Paul continues in the power of the Spirit by continuing to preach the gospel. Continuing to fulfill God's call on his life to make disciples no matter what is set before him. My wife is a runner. She runs almost every day. And me, not so much. About three minutes into running, I'm like, where is the ball and where's the hoop, right? If you don't, if you don't, uh, if you're a runner, you understand this, right? My mind is going 30 miles an hour and I'm like, and I'm still having to run. But when I'm running with a ball and a hoop, sometimes you don't think about it as much. But runners know what endurance is. They have to push through in their mind. They have to understand the pain and continue on. You, you know what it looks like to push through pain. You know what it looks like to finish the race, just as we saw the example on the video clip we saw this morning. Paul uses this example to finish the race over and over and over again. Yet just as the man that we saw had his father help him to finish the race, the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us across the finish line. It is not by our own effort, it is not by our own skill that we can finish the race. Paul says at the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul, in verse 7, says there, and there they continued to preach the gospel. Verse eight, now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking and Paul looked intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking and when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker and the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen, garlands to the gates, and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments, rushed into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without a witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifices to them. 
Paul and Barnabas are declaring this gospel. They've moved on from Iconium to Lystra. They, they see the, the Spirit allows them to do a miraculous work and this man who has never walked before, they begin proclaiming this gospel with boldness and they call Paul Hermes and Barnabas Zeus. They say, we're gonna worship you. This is our second point this morning. The church makes disciples for the glory of God. The church makes disciples for the glory of God. Paul and Barnabas, no doubt, are tremendous men of God who have practiced sharing their faith over and over and over again. They are orators of the gospel. They are proclaimers of this gospel. No doubt that they could preach the word with boldness and, and in truth, with the empowered by the Holy Spirit. God had graciously given to them signs and wonders to accompany their message. And they see this crippled man walking. And the, Lystra, the people of Lystra began to worship them. This happens often in today's churches. People want someone to follow. They want someone to worship and follow physically instead of sitting down and learning from the master who is Christ himself. They worship and follow human beings. In discipleship, we are making followers of Christ, not followers of Paul, not followers of Barnabas, or followers of Rob. We are making disciples of Jesus. The human heart longs for that which it can taste, smell, see, touch, and hear. So as believers, we long for the day in which we will see God face to face. But until that time, we must not settle for faux gods. And as for leaders in the church or disciplers or those who proclaim the gospel or community group leaders or leaders in your home, we all know too well the roller coaster of human approval, don't we not? One minute the crowd loves them in almost a state of worship of Paul and Barnabas, and the next minute they are so angry that they want to throw rocks at their head. It is the roller coaster of human approval. Instead, we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ live for knowing God, not for the approval of man. Philippians 3, 8 says this, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that begins on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Living for the approval of man will take you on a ride 
And that ride you will never want to ride again. I, I went to Six Flags a few years back, maybe four or five years back. I, I took a couple of, uh, of youths. Um, they, were, they were doing well. And I said, hey, if you, if you graduate or if you do some of these things, hey, I'll take you to Six Flags. I will regret that. I, I would regret that, and um, they, they wanted to ride this ride called the Titan at Six Flags. If you've ever ri- ridden it before, you won't ride it again. <laughs> I had never ridden a ride in which you, you got off and you were like, I'm alive, thank the Lord. <laughs> but you will never want to ride the ride of human approval. You, you do not want to get on that ride. One day, people will love you. The next day, they will hate you. Galatians 1.10 says this, for I am, I am, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You see, all glory goes to God. In the wins of the Christian life, all glory goes to God. In the losses, in the struggles, all glory goes to God. You see, Herod, two chapters before, he took the glory for himself. Remember, he stood up and the people called him a god and he declared to the people, and worms ate him from the inside out. God wants glory through your life. Who are you living for? One more thing to point out, Paul uses a very different tactic in his preaching to the pagans in Lystra than he did to the Jews in in Pisidian Antioch. Those who have read this text and studied it deeply, what does he do? He appeals to the Jews from the Old Testament, sharing the gospel of Christ from the Old Testament and who this God in is a plan for the Messiah to come through the Old Testament to the pagans who do not know the Old Testament in Lystra. You know what he does? He uses the creator God who brings grace through rain to them. He helps them to see where they are and where, they, where God is visible for them and shares the gospel in that light. When we proclaim the gospel, we have to understand that we need to see where God is working in the heart of that person already and understand that and share with them that. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But it's all for his glory. Let's look at the last part. We've read this section. Let's read it again. It's too good. So they're, they're just gotten done praising them and calling them gods, wanting to offer these sacrifices to them. Paul's like, no, no, we're not, we're not gods. You need to, and he turns to the one true God. And he tries to share with them this one true God. In verse 19, but Jews came from Antioch, Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, 
they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. When the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. This is our third point. The church continues in the faith even in tribulation. The church, the people of God, continue in the faith even in tribulation. No doubt these disciples, these early people who heard the gospel, responded to the gospel, were devastated of what they saw. Not only getting kicked out of cities, but then having their leaders stoned. Sign me up, right? I'd like to go be a part of that church. And Paul goes back to these people and says, no. Walk, continue in the faith. Walk with the Lord. You see, I believe that this moment right here, these, these last few sections of scripture in which we're talking about Paul continuing in the gospel, I think it's a defining moment in the life of Paul. I would say that each person in this room will have moments in their life in which are defining moments. Paul could have said, you know what, I'm gonna pack it in multiple times. Pack it up, I'm done. He continues, he perseveres. And why? the Lord is with him. God's grace is sufficient for him. Power of Christ dwells in him. He has nothing to fear, not even death, because he knows this is what the Lord has called me to. What will you do in the moment when it comes? I think that depends on what you are actually doing now. Because courage is not invoked in the moment. You can't just conjure up courage for the gospel in the moment of your tribulation. You see, courage comes from small, consistent acts of obedience and a walk with Christ on a consistent basis. And when the large moment of tribulation comes into your life, you're able to stand. If you're walking with the Lord in prayer and the power of the Spirit today, then when the moment of trial or temptation comes, you are able to stand upon Christ, the firm foundation. But if you're not walking with the Lord in prayer and hearing from the Lord, then most likely you're gonna cave when the trial or the desire of this world comes into 
your world. Young people, we can't wait until we're in a moment of temptation to be sexually pure, to walk with the Lord. No, we will cave if we are not consistently walking with the Lord through small acts of obedience daily and prayer and understanding of the word and knowing the power of the gospel in our life. I'm I'm convinced here in this passage, Paul is standing on his feet and entering back into the city was not a result of the moment, but a consistent walking with the Lord and trusting with the Lord and knowing what, what God has called him to. I think of the moment Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. He was, at that moment, he's in his 80s. He had been consistently praying three times a day for all of his life, consistently praying three times a day. He would stand in the trial and the Lord would give him great courage. He would rescue him. Not all the times does God rescue us. Paul's life was spared here. He continued to preach the gospel throughout the world, yet Stephen, who we see earlier in Acts, he did not. Peter, earlier in Acts, escaped Herod's wrath, yet James did not. Yet either through the life or the death, the Lord advances the gospel through his people. They continue in the faith. In 2013, Anita and Ronnie Smith went to Benghazi, Libya as missionaries. Some of you may know this story. Some of you may not. They went to Benghazi, Libya as missionaries. They knew the dangers and yet felt called to share the gospel of the good news message of Christ with Muslims. Ronnie taught at an international school as a chemistry teacher. They loved the place that they were at. They began to make friends and influence people as missionaries did. And on a run one day in which Ronnie would run almost every day, a car pulled up next to him and took his life leaving behind his wife and their young child, Hosea. One person was talking about this story, and I heard this the other day, and he was talking about Anita, the wife, the widow, and he said, you know, she was quiet when she was on the field. She took care of her child, Hosea, she, she really wasn't that effective in her ministry. Anita, after Ronnie's death, felt as if she needed to write a letter to those who took her husband's life. In her letter, she shared the love that her and her husband had for the people of Libya. Libya. 
how they had grown to love them. And she spoke of the forgiveness that she had for the people who took her husband's life. These are her words here. I hear people speaking with hate, anger, and blame over Ronnie's death, but that's not what Ronnie would want. Ronnie would want his death to be an opportunity for us to show one another love and forgiveness because that's what God has shown to us. I want all of you, all the people of Libya, to know I am praying for the peace and prosperity of Libya. May Ronnie's blood shed on Libyan soil encourage peace and reconciliation between the Libyan people and God. They said, the person sharing this story said, she was not really that effective in her ministry. And yet she writes this letter, and this letter was on every newspaper in the Muslim world. She made every news news network in the Muslim countries, Al Jazeera, and all of the networks in America. And she shared the gospel and forgiveness in Christ alone in a platform in which many, many people have never done. Someone called her the most influential Christian witness to the Muslim world ever. She is a living testimony of the world of the Lord walking with someone through her tribulation. And when we read this letter, when we le- read this book and the story of Paul, you can't help but think of the many people that are transformed by Paul's tribulation. Timothy being one of them as he sees this unfold in his own town. The power of the gospel and God's people through tribulation. Praise God that he's given us a persevering spirit as the people of God continue in the faith because Christ is worth it. You know, when we, when we hear about these stories and we think about these things, I only think of one thing and that Christ lives. He's not dead and we will live with him forever. You see, the resurrection gives us the hope of people, even through persevering and trials and tribulation, it gives us the hope that we need. So let us rest in Christ, let our hearts place our faith and trust in this God who loves us, has a plan for our life. Let's pray. Father, we are a people who often look to ourselves We are people who often say, woe is me. Father, help our eyes to look up, 
to see your beauty, your nature. Help us to see your truth in the scriptures. Help us to finish the race. As people who persevere the trials and tribulations of life. Help us to run the race, to continue in making of disciples, to continue to proclaim the gospel, no matter what obstacles are in our path in the future, we look to you, Father, to give us hope, to give us peace, to give us joy. Father, help us to be a people who give you glory no matter the circumstance of our life, in the good, in the devastating. Help us to find joy this morning, joy in the cross of Christ, in the resurrection of Christ, joy that we can be with Christ for all eternity. Help us to look past our nose and our issues and look up to see the glory of God as Stephen did as he was being stoned. Whether in life or in death, we ask that you would be glorified through our church the people of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.